Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. Now wait a minute. Full stop, or as the teens say these days, bet. This is impossible. Now before we go on, if you're not familiar with the backstory, you might not realize that this statement is like the climax of an account that has been building up for nine chapters in Genesis. This would be like the last sentence in a TV series as it ends for the season. It would be a a cliffhanger of sorts. So if you're not familiar with the drama of this entire season, then let me try to catch you up. See, Joseph was the son of Jacob and Rachel. He had one full brother and ten half-brothers. His father favored him among all the rest, so much so that he gave his son, Joseph, a coat of many colors. His brothers were, of course, extremely jealous. And so much so that they tossed him into a well while they decided what they wanted to do with him. Some of his brothers wanted him dead, but in the end, they sold him into slavery to some merchants who happened by that were heading towards Egypt. Now, Joseph excelled in his service to his master, but then found himself in prison because his master's wife unsuccessfully tried to seduce him. And in prison, Joseph excelled and eventually won the favor of Pharaoh who appointed him governor of Egypt. And it had been revealed to him that there would be a seven-year famine. So he prepared his country for that. You with me so far? Good. Now, in the middle of this famine, Jacob sent his sons to Egypt to buy grain. And this is about where our passage picks up. Now, again, if you are not familiar, if you've not read this account, I strongly encourage you to do so. It's fascinating. And it's right in Genesis. Chapter 36 is where you would start. All right, now that we're caught up, let's go back to verse 4. I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into slavery. See, standing before them was the brother that they plotted to kill. The brother that they had thrown down a well while they argued about what to do with him. The brother that they sold 
instead of murdered. And there he was, standing before them and in a position of power and authority, in a position of judgment. And they knew very well what they deserved. And they knew that they had no legal leg to stand on. They knew what we know to be true. You simply don't sell your brother for the things of this world. And you don't expel him from your life because he crimps your style. And if you do all that, you surely don't ever want to come face to face with him in the future. Especially if that place is his courtroom. And crawling back to him when you need something that only he can provide, that's completely out of the question. And yet, this is exactly the situation that these men found themselves in. No leg to stand on is really an understatement. They were as good as dead, as good as banished. And they probably felt that they would have been better off continuing to struggle in their own lives separate from Him, even if that guaranteed their death. But they were desperate. They were starving and in need of something that only He could provide. But they probably would have preferred to take their own chances than stand before Him that day. But this is where they found themselves. Facing a judge that they had wronged and a judgment that they knew they deserved. But it doesn't turn out the way that they expect. They don't get what they deserve. Instead, they actually get the complete opposite. Joseph overwhelms them with mercy and grace. He gives them the best land, provides for them during the famine, treats them like the royalty that he is. And he calls them his family, his brothers, even though he has been exalted above them. This account, quite simply, is how God deals with us. It is an illustration of His nature. And it's recorded for us so that we can learn to acknowledge Him, to trust Him, to return to Him even when we stumble. Even when we stumble. That's probably an understatement. 
One could liken that to stating that Joseph's brothers didn't sell him into slavery, but merely sent him on an adventure without first acquiring his permission. We don't stumble. We sin. We toss Jesus into the well. We push Him out of the decisions of our lives. And then we justify it to ourselves. We invent our own truths and seek communities that will share these truths with us. A simple glance at Facebook posts will support this position. Our posts reflect our own truths. And how many of those truly do align to God's? Now I bring up truth because one day we will stand face to face with truth. We will stand before our judge and our king just like Joseph's brothers. And it will be in that moment that our life will be judged according to that truth. No longer will we be able to hide behind the communities of this world. No longer will we be able to justify our thoughts and actions to ourselves. No longer will we be able to ignore the reality of how we treated God. In that moment, our sin will be measured by God's rule. And in that moment, we will fully realize the judgment that is due us. But what we deserve, we will not receive. God, in His infinite mercy, sent His Son instead. Jesus was born into this world as a humble child. He was tried. He was tested by God, even unto death. And He was raised up, and He was exalted. And He will come again to judge the living and the dead. And for those who believe in Him, He will say, I am your brother. Joseph said to his brothers, Come near to me, please. And they came near. And he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into slavery. Now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. See the connection between Joseph and Jesus. And the connection between his brothers and us. But there's a difference here that is worth exploring. Joseph's brothers first came face to face 
with him at the moment of their judgment. But we have access to Jesus right now. We don't have to wait. In fact, we can't wait until that day. But I don't believe that this is how the message is to be framed. It's not a warning to us to repent and turn to Jesus out of fear. Instead, I read this as a gospel message, a good news. I read this as an invitation to reflect daily on our sins and on our failures and our disobediences to God. And when we do this, when we're honest with ourselves, we become humbled to the point of despair. We have wronged God, our God, the God who moved heaven and earth to save us, our God who gave his only Son to be our sacrifice and take away our sins. How could we ever expect to enter his courtroom and receive mercy and forgiveness? But in our despair, that is exactly where we find ourselves, in the throne room of God and at the feet of Jesus. Our humility is not used to render satisfaction for our sins, but to be cleansed of them. The punishment has already been suffered, but not by us, but by our judge himself. Our sins have not been forgotten. They've been forgiven. Luther once wrote about this passage, and he said the following, Wrath and judgment are shown through the law to keep us from sinning. But when we have fallen, we have the word of promise by which we are taught not to despair, but to bear in mind that the goodness and mercy of God are boundless. He gave His Son for us that we should be that that we should be our satisfaction and that by his blood our sin should be devoured and destroyed. In other words, Jesus calls us into his courtroom where we receive his boundless mercy and grace. Where we hear from Jesus, come, come near to me, please. I am your brother. This is the comfort that is available to us today. All we must do is present ourselves to Jesus and ask for forgiveness. Are you looking for this comfort? He's offering it to you.
Please pray with me. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will He keep His anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love toward those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does He remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear Him. Amen.